0: You like it? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Not Rocket Science. This is episode 13, 14, I don't know, something like that. I recorded another episode yesterday too and I don't know what the release order is going to be. It's going to be a wait and see thing, Um, but I had the weekend alone this week. Because the girlfriend was away, or is away. She's still away, I should say. Uh, She went to visit her parents in Long Island. So I've been rocking a solo this weekend. Pretty low-key. Mostly just working, to be honest. Uh, Working on this stuff. Working on job stuff. Design stuff. Been making some beats. I'm making a new beat shit sounds pretty nice i was uh trying to get back into the hip-hop thing for a while um just make straight up hip-hop beats again and i got one going right now this is the first one i really liked in a while i might throw it on this episode as the intro music um if i can get it done in time if not i'll probably put it on a future episode as the intro music even though i'm liking the current intro music that's a beat that i made a couple years ago that i got some good reactions on um when i played it for people so and it has kind of kind of like hip-hop feel but kind of lighthearted. um this one's a little more dark sinister kind of feel kind of has that like dark trap future maybe like old school 3-6 Mafia feel to it um, so I don't really know if it's on brand with this show but uh, I kind of don't care I might just throw it in there throw that sucker up see how it feels and if I don't like it I'll take it back down and, and replace it with the current intro music but yeah I'm really getting back into into the music grind I'm liking that a lot um grinding with this, I'm grinding with the Instagram and all the stuff that I'm posting. All those things I got to edit and I got to cut out all of the design elements. So like my last post um, was about a story I'm going to talk about in a second. Is about most Instagram sneakers and I was like, oh, well, this is the number one sneaker so I want to do something where like everyone's bowing to a king and just make it look stupid and have everyone's face be the sneaker. Um, So I found a bunch of sneaker silhouettes that were in the right placement. So like the king is facing to his left and then all the other guys are around him. So sometimes it made sense to find pictures of the back of sneakers, sometimes the left of sneakers, sometimes diagonal sneakers. Um, I went to StockX and actually used the 3D view and just like moved sneakers around to where they need to be and screenshotted it and then cropped it out of the screenshot. But, uh man, these Instagram posts take some time, and when I started this thing, I didn't realize how long it would be to take to make some of these Instagram posts, but at the same time, it's pretty fun to concept um some of these silly designs and memes and everything and uh, it's been fun, kind of like a little media project um, but yeah, let's get into some of the latest happenings going on in sneakers, streetwear culture, hip hop, beats, music, blah 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 blah. The same shit that the Verge complex high beast high, Sub- high Snobiety, high etc all cover. Um but yeah the main thing that I saw this weekend was uh that most Instagram sneakers list. And to me what was really interesting about it was that the adidas nmd came in first place that was if you were to tell me like well who do you think is the most instagram sneaker there's no way um i would ever think it's the nmd and uh i think yeezys were two i probably would have guessed yeezys to be honest as number one um let me bring up the list actually doop 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 i'm trying to type and talk at the same time and i'm not good at multitasking all right here we go so yeah it was the nmd was one the Yeezy the 350s were two vans old schools were three i know vans is in a major comeback phase right now um they have a lot of hype but i don't think i would expect them to be the number three most instagram sneaker and then the Adidas Superstar, Chuck Taylor, Stan Smiths, um Air Max 90s, Harachis, and then the Adidas Neo, and then the an Ultra Boosts, Old School Checker Vans and VaporMax. So that's the top three things. Uh, that's the top 12 right there. Um definitely some surprises. If you follow like hype beast and blogs and sneaker experts talking about whatever's on trend and blah, 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 bullshit. You would think that Adidas superstars and Stan Smiths were not hot right now. Um, Later on, I'm going to talk about the whole chunky dad shoe craze going on and kind of why that exists, what bugs me about it, what I like about it. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But you would think... That for as much hype as those things get in the blogosphere, that it would be at least one of them, whether it's the the Yeezy Wave Runner, the the Balenciaga Triple S's, any of them would be one of the most Instagram shoes, but none of them are. I think it's a subculture thing. I think it's a high fashion and hype B subculture thing. And in general, people don't really give a shit about those shoes. That's kind of my hypothesis, because I don't see them. I live in New York City. I walk around New York City, and I never see any of them. Any of them. I don't think I've ever seen any of them other than people waiting in line at, like, Supreme or something like that. Um, so on one hand, it's surprising based on what you would think is the most hyped. On the other hand, I'm, I'm lucky enough to live in a major fashion capital city. I mean, where New York lies in that race is up to judgment. I guess it's definitely not one. I would say Paris is one. And uh, when it comes to sneakers, I think Tokyo might be ahead of New York too. But but New York's a big one. That's the point. And I don't see any of those dad shoes around New York. Um, I might not be cool enough to be in the, in the cool spots where They're more prevalent or something, I don't know. But I just, I don't see them when I walk around places, you know. I walk around Brooklyn mostly, so maybe that's why. But even like Soho, I don't see shit. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to throw out that Instagram thing because it was just very surprising for the most part. Um, Particularly number one, even with Adidas, like I would have expected Yeezys to go ahead of an NMD as far as what's on Instagram um, I'd also expect Ultra Boosts to be ahead of NMDs. Um, although that's. Eh, it could go either way now I'm thinking about it more. It's kind of like 1A, 1B, but it seems like NMDs are way ahead of them. Um, when I went to this article, whenever I look at Hypebeast articles that I use for this show, or High articles or whatever, I always check to see if there's a comment section. There always is on Hypebeast articles. And I love reading the comment section. Because over and over again, I notice how angry people get at the article. But the reason for their anger has very little to do with the article. So like, for example, with this most Instagram sneakers article, like people are arguing about how... Instagram, it doesn't matter, it's bullshit, because Instagram, um, sneakers, the most Instagram sneakers are not the ones that make the most money in sales, and it's like, yeah, I know, who cares, like, (laughs) I don't think there's anything in the article, and I don't think most people expect the shoes that are the most Instagram to be the ones that actually make the most money in sales, um, because I think what it boils down to is a lot of these people are, are uh, who are commenting are big Nike fans. They're like Team Nike. And in the article, the subhead te- uh, the subheader text said, like, Nike barely makes the top five. Um, So I think that caught some feelings. And they're like, well, Nike makes way more money per year than Adidas. It's like, no shit, Nike makes more money than Adidas with sneakers. But on hypebeast.com, that doesn't matter because... The What makes Nike money is not their, like, Vapor Maxes or their Virgil Abloh collabs. What makes money for Nike is their utilitarian shoes at a low price point, like their Roshis and their Tangent. The Tangent is the most bought, I think, shoe in the world for 2017. I'm pretty sure that was the case. Um, I want to check that, but I think I've even mentioned it on this show that the Nike Tangent is Nike's biggest seller worldwide because it's simple it's at a price point that regular people are willing to pay, and not hype beasts buying balenciaga triple s's for eight hundred dollars but whatever um yeah there, there there's there's what hype beasts are willing to pay for sneakers and cloud chasers and all that, and then there's normal people and what normal people see as the right price point for sneakers and to normal people a hundred dollars for sneakers is a little absurd um so that's why the roshis and the, and the tangents are uh, such money makers and they're simple but they look good i like both of them actually i like the tangents a lot for 40 bucks i think it's a steal for 40 bucks actually i think that's a really good price for the at least the aesthetic value of the sneaker um i've never tried them on so, I don't really know what they feel like, but they look good enough for people to want them in mass, and the price point is excellent, and they're simple. I think tangent is actually a word in, in Chinese or something for, like, utility or, like, I don't know, something like that. Like, the name in itself means, like, basic effectiveness, essentially. Um, and that's why they sell. Functionality sells, man. Form over function um but it's fun to talk about this hype beast subculture and all the fucking craziness that goes on in it when it comes to trends and trend forecasting and this that and the other and i think instagram's an important piece because to me instagram is the uh most important social media for anything visual by far And I think it will continue to do so. And I think it is also the most important social media uh, platform for people who would be most into sneakers. Um, That means just younger people in general. I think for young people, it is the go-to social media platform. As of now, way more than Snapchat, who, by the way, I read is closing down that payment service they made, Snapcash, I think years ago at this point. Um if you don't know what Snapcash is, don't worry. Uh no one does anymore. <laughs> I think it was announced back in 2014 as a way to compete I think with like Square Cash at the time or in Venmo. Um Venmo was super popular back then, but uh and it still is. But yeah, it was them trying to get into that space, failed miserably. I mean, they have enough problems right now with their with their core app. Um but this, back in 2014, that was when Snapchat was on the come up as like the next big thing. And it was before Instagram really took over as the beast that it is now um, when it comes to visual social media. Um, from what I read, it seems like, so I read an article on The com, and it seems like For one, it never really just took off in the first place, um, which isn't much of a surprise. When you think of Snapchat, you don't really think of the same things as when you think of Venmo or Square. But it also seemed like there were some seedy associations going on. I think uh, it became kind of popular for porn companies. At least that's what the article kind of insinuates. And if that's the case, then it becomes the redheaded stepchild of the payment services because, you know, it's kind of like when you're an actor trying to break in the mainstream, but you're shooting porns on the side. Like, when that gets exposed, you're not going to do that well in Hollywood. You know what I mean? You're not exactly going to be the next Jennifer Lawrence or George Clooney or whatever. Just guilt by association, unfortunately. I don't know why. I think porn stars, if they can act their ass off, (laughs) they They should uh you know they should get the hollywood roles too what if there was a movie star that did both you know being lincoln and then they'd be in like civil war gangbangs or something i don't know i think that would be fun to have a porn star slash a-list movie star everybody wins right isn't that what this is about shouldn't everybody win Why can't everyone win? Um, I think the person would have to be an actor first and then porn star second. I think most porn stars are pretty terrible actors. so I think it's somebody with legit acting chops that tries to do the Hollywood grind, fails, makes it in porn, but has the leverage to act his or her ass off in the porns. And then somehow that has to lead to Hollywood. I think that's the only path for success there. I don't think you can do it any other way. Um, I don't think you can be, like, a porn star first, take acting classes, and then become a movie star. Although, it sort of happened for Sasha Gray, I remember. Um, She was, like, on Entourage, and she's been in some movies since. But she wasn't a very good actress on Entourage. I mean, that's the only thing I've seen her in. She's not my type. I don't, just, the super skinny, real thin girls don't do it for me. But it's uh, personal preference. But I remember her on Entourage. She wasn't bad. Entourage, I remember, had other porn stars on doing cameo roles. And, and you know, they were they acted about as what you would expect a porn star to act like. But Sasha Gray, she had, like, a character role, I remember. And she wasn't bad. Like, it didn't kill the scenes or anything. But it also, you know, there's no real... I wasn't, like, fixated on her interacting at all. Um, She didn't really have, like, the it factor from an actor standpoint. But, uh, yeah, one day. One day you'll get a Jennifer Lawrence or a George Clooney that does porns in movies. Um, Probably not at the same time because I think, you know, once you're in Hollywood, you're in Hollywood. But maybe they started out doing the Pownos. I think Sylvester Stallone even did some, like, Skinamax stuff but before Skinamax obviously like back in the 70s he did something and then kind of kind of went hush hush for a while and then when the internet came out everyone's like Sylvester's on IMDb he was in something that was like kind of like a softcore porn. Anyway, I'm going way way off topic here. Um back to Snapcash. Uh it it's going to be terminated or sunset as we say in the tech industry, uh, August 30th. So that's the last day for this feature that you probably never heard of. Um, So it goes to show you, if you do one thing well, don't try to do something else that has nothing to do with what you do well and expect that to do well, because it won't do well. Got it. Good. What else is going on? Oh. Even though I wrapped up the World Cup, I saw... This infographic on, on the youngest, um, most valuable young players under 21, uh, soccer players in the world, and it was crazy. It was like Kylian Mbappe, who, for those of you who don't know, was the breakout star of the World Cup. He's on France, who won the World Cup. He was the best player on France, other than maybe Kante. Eh, hard to say, really, but he was the breakout star. And... uh Turns out he is by far, like by far, the most valuable soccer player in the world under 21. Oh, let me bring this up real quick. Okay, it's a sports, sports Illustrated put it out there, so legit source. Um, Yeah, he's 19 years old. Kylian Mbappe is... And right now, his value is 192.3 million euros. Jesus fucking Christ. That is insane. That's way more than like Messi or Ronaldo were worth when they were 19, just for um, reference. And way more than LeBron James was worth. I think LeBron James was only worth like in single digit millions at that time. Although he had a a long-term sneaker deal, I think worth double-digit millions, but he is worth so much money right now. He's going to be so globally. Kylian Mbappe will be the biggest sports star in the world in all likelihood. um, Ten years from now, I think that's a prediction that is not very controversial. um, But that's global. That's not in the U.S. But globally, 10 years from now, so in 2028, Kylian Mbappe will be the biggest sports star in the world. Um, I mean, he's already worth $200 million like at, as a teenager. What's also cool about this list is Christian Pulisic, who, if you're not into soccer at all, you know, who the fuck's Christian Pulisic? But he's a big deal because he is... Really the first American ever to make real waves at a young age in Europe. Generally, when an American goes to Europe, they, they're they a little later in their careers. Or they go early, but they don't really make waves initially. He is 19 years old as well right now. And he is killing it in Europe right now. He plays on um, Dortmund, who... Borussia Dortmund, they're the second biggest team in Germany after Bayern Munich, who are like the New York Yankees. So they're kind of like the Boston Red Sox of Germany. And uh, he's like one of their star players, one of their most exciting players. Uh, and they were playing today. They were playing just today, Sunday, July 22nd, um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, I believe, against Liverpool. And he had two goals, he almost had three goals. And this is against Liverpool, Premier League heavyweight. So, needless to say, he has a huge future, and I think he can be one of the more valuable um, athletes in the world 10 years from now as well, because he will be maybe not elite, elite, like top three, top five soccer players in the world like Kylian Mbappe will be, but... He'll be elite, like he'll still he'll be like an all-star level European soccer player, and he'll be the first one ever from the U.S. So, I think there's a variety of market marketing opportunities there um, because it's a unique situation. The U.S. has never had a born soccer player ever attain the levels of success that Christian Pulisic will attain. So that's exciting. He's number eight on the list, and he's already worth sixty-one point two million euros, which is also, working insane. Um, so good for him. And hopefully, this. I'm dying for the U.S. to have some soccer appeal. I mean, I did a whole episode on this, so I'm not going to go into it again. But I, you know, I'm dying for soccer to take off a little more and maybe just take a little bit away from football. It doesn't have to take the whole thing, but I think you know, there's plenty of fans that can be fans of both sports. Um, I think it's really an exposure thing and making it look more appealing because when you watch the mls right now it doesn't really look that appealing because it's not the most attractive brand of soccer anyway just wanted to throw that out there because i've done episodes on this i've done instagram posts about Kylian mbappe i might do another one who's to say um but i thought it was super interesting that he's already worth 200 million dollars that is insane that is fuck. that might be too insane like Hopefully this doesn't derail him, because he could just retire right now at 19. <laughs> he could he could just buy his own island right now and just kick back for the rest of his life, and he's not even 21 yet. Uh, wow. Puts things in perspective a little bit for you. Question, makes you question your own life decisions a bit, doesn't it? I couldn't be a pro soccer player. I could have practiced my whole life and it would have gone nowhere. I'm way too slow. I am slow as fuck. Just wasn't meant to be a soccer player, unfortunately. Although if I can be a professional athlete, any professional athlete would probably be a pro elite soccer player in Europe. That would be sweet. And it took me a long time to realize this, which is why I think soccer in America hasn't grown the way it has I didn't realize how awesome it would be to be like a European a European soccer player until I was like twenty seven or eight. Um, so gotta fix that, and then I think it could take off. But yeah, Christian Pulisic super exciting. Kylian Mbappe. <sighs> Hopefully, he doesn't spend it all too fast, huh? Maybe open up a Roth IRA. I don't even know if they have those in France. Anyway, moving on from that. We're going to talk about the main subject of discussion today, the chunky-ass dad shoes, those thick mass dad shoes. And I remember like a year ago at this point, reading articles about how you know, the dad wave was in full effect and everything, um, summer 2007, I think that's when... Balenciaga released the Triple S. I think the Yeezy Wave Runner also got released about a year ago. And at the time, I expected that thing to just be like a little phase. Nope. Nope. Still big. And it makes me wonder why. Now, I don't hate the Chunky Dad shoes per se, but... I do not understand the hype either. Um I always thought these types of shoes you know, I lived through the nineties. I'm not a young buck. I'm not an old buck, but I'm not a young buck. I remember when these types of silhouettes were big the first go-around, and I didn't like them then. I thought they're too chunky, they're unpractical, they're big for big sake. But uh you know, when Skechers was killing it in the 90s with these things, I didn't like them then. Now, the colors are better, but the silhouettes are even more ridiculous. And honestly, I like the Wave Runner a little bit, the 700, mostly because of the color scheme, though. Um, but in general, I just, I don't I don't get it. I don't get why people like these things so much, and I can't understand... And I've watched tons of videos on people talking about these things who like them. And I've never heard anyone explain why they like them. And to me, it boils down to hypebeast culture in general. You know, people are like, wear what you like, bro. You know, don't let haters get you. Wear what you like. And I agree. No one should feel, I guess, like they should restrict themselves from what they wear. But I also think it's healthy to exercise a little self-awareness. And question, why do I like this thing? And then try to break it down and drill deeper. Well, like, for example, you know, with me, I always liked Ultra Boost. I always loved, from the first time I saw Adidas Boosts, I liked them. Before I even saw any, like, hype around them or anything. I just saw the silhouettes and I was like, oh, those are cool. So if I were to break down why I like ultraboost, So, I'd be like, I like Boosts. Why? Um, Because... They have a good balance between looking like something athletic and something aesthetically pleasing. Well why do you like that? Because I don't like shoes that look cool but hurt my feet because I have pretty terrible feet my feet I have flat feet. Um, I always like something that has good support um, and good comfort. And generally speaking, traditionally, those are more athletic sneakers. Um, you know, I like Adidas Superstars and Stan Smiths, and they're pretty comfortable altogether. But if I'm, I can't do any, like, serious real walking or running in those without them starting to hurt my feet at some point. So these shoes, when I saw them and I read about Boost Technology for the first time years ago, it seemed as though they are a better functional product, but they also have... This sleek, minimalist look to them, this aesthetic that I really like that doesn't have the extra chunk that a lot of athletic shoes have, a lot of running shoes have, um, let alone these chunky-ass dad shoes, what they have, and that's why I like them. So that's just an example of going way deep into thinking about why people like something, because it's really easy to get influenced by something else influencer marketing hello um and then you declare to yourself that you like this thing and then you wear it and then people get on your case about it potentially and then it's like i just like what i like let me wear what i like but it's like why do you like if you don't really you don't really reflect it on why you like it in the first place maybe you don't actually like it and you're just saying you like it to fit in and not to say there's nothing wrong with fitting in i love fitting in with the crowd now fitting in's great Who wants to be a loser? But, (laughs) I'm sorry. Point being, though, some reflection on why you like things, I think, is a good mental exercise that might uncover some stuff that makes these things a little easier to explain and maybe um, bring some clarity to your own personal sense of style and aesthetics you gravitate towards, uh, technologies fits that you gravitate towards and why you gravitate towards them you know and this works for fashion too like i like looser fitting t-shirts because you know why well because my body is proportionally weird i have very broad shoulders but i'm not built like fucking hulk hogan in his prime or anything um so i i am a little bit on the skinnier side so i like i like fits that are meant for a skinnier body type, but I often can't wear them because of my shoulders. So I like something where it's a skinnier type of shirt or for a skinnier type of fit, more European fit, but I get a size up, and that's what I like. That's what works for me. Um, sometimes it doesn't really fit into what's hot at the moment. You know, sometimes if it's something's tight-fitting, is hot. What I'm wearing will look weird, or if the really, really baggy shirts are in style, um, but I wear it doesn't really fit that either. And that might look weird, but I don't really give a shit. I like what is comfortable and looks good enough to me. So that's another example of just kind of like being self-aware. Cause I wasn't really like this at all. Um, when I was younger at, in my teens, um, I kind of trend hopped like everybody else, yada, 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 and just kind of gravitated towards what I liked without, much real thought into why that's the case, um and I think a lot of people's might be the case for it because I think when you first start getting in the clothes when you're in you know fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever you're very it's easy to succumb to just marketing and advertising and and jumping on whatever trend's cool at the time because that's all you know um so bringing that all back to the dad shoe phase i see I keep. Seeing people being like, oh, I like them, I like them, but I never hear why you like them. Like, what about them is it that you like? Because I also see people, like, saying stuff in YouTube comment sections or whatever where it's like, well, they don't look as good, but they make a statement. What statement are they making? I like to wear chunky, colorful-ass shoes. Is that the statement? Because is that a statement worth saying? Um, I'm trying to figure out what this statement is. Because people use fashion statement all the time as a blanket term for wearing uh, conspicuous shit. But I never know what the statement is. Like, what are you trying to say? Like, I'll wear big chunky shit that other people find ridiculous and I'll spend $800 for it. Is that really like a cool statement to make? But I don't know. On the flip side, maybe it's like ugly shit is and beautiful too. I don't know. I'm reaching there. Um, but it just seems like, to me, when I look at the history of how these chunky-ass sneakers became so popular, to me it almost seems like a design exercise and a troll job from the actual designers. Um, a lot of people trace the beginning of this chunky dad shoe Gorpcore-ish type of thing I don't know if you want to know what Gorpcore is But basically Gorpcore Is this current in Fashion design style That's kind of like Camp chic It's like um When you see ASAP Rocky wearing like camping gear Basically that's called Gorpcore And it ties in with this whole like dad shoe Chunky shoe craze Um But I'm not going to go too into that first there was normcore which was the whole like wearing regular boring kind of plain pieces in an elegant way with your white stan smiths that was big a few years ago and now gorpcore is wearing like balenciaga camping shoes with some like high-end fashion houses version of camp gear um kind of like that bernie sanders chic kind of look anyway back to what i was initially saying so Raph Simmons, the designer, he's, like, a big-time fashion designer. And uh, I think he runs Creative Direction, I think, at Calvin Klein right now when he was at Dior earlier. Big-time fashion name. Um, I think he's Belgian. He's from Belgium, I think. Um, well, he designed, back in, like, 2013, the Adidas Oswego, which is one of their... I guess it's, like, their main dad shoe um, historically. I've always just knew, known about it as some random-ass sneaker. Um, and he designed it, added uh, more pastel-saturated colors because the original, as we go, is just kind of like a generic, chunky, late-90s dad shoe. Nothing special. Looked kind of like something you'd get off the rack at Marshalls for, like, 40 bucks that your grandpa really likes to wear or something. And, yeah, he tried to make it fashionable back in 2013, basically got laughed at because of how ridiculous it looked. Um, But it was kind of planting that early seed of this dad shoe thing being maybe something that at one point in the high fashion world will become some sort of trend. Um, From there, things were kind of slow, but they started creeping up at like fashion weeks and things like that Um, and just started getting trickled into the scene a little bit. And then, back to the Gorb Core, Norm Core stuff I was saying earlier, when Norm Core kind of exploded in 2014-ish, I don't know the exact date. I'm sure someone could correct me on that. I believe it started, though, around, like, late 2014. That whole craze started. um, One shoe that got big and swallowed up into that whole scene was the New Balance 990. The New Balance 990 is like the classic gray New Balance dad shoe, um, and that started getting hot. And unlike the Adidas Stan Smith or the Superstar or some of the other sneakers that were big in that initial run, um, the the New Balance 990 is a lot chunkier. It's not a sleek kind of minimalist low top kind of shoe. It's a it's a chunky. You know, it's made for the, the geriatric demo, for lack of a better word. Um, and that kind of became hot again. So that is kind of like opening the door. So what Raf Simmons did back in 2013, that was kind of like pre- predicting the future. And being before his time in a sense, and then the Normcore craze and the New Balance dad shoes slowly blowing up um, is kind of what opened the door a little, just kind of cracked the door for this dad shoe thing to kind of blow up more mainstream last year in 2017. In addition to that, um, some a lot of the late 90s, mid 90s basketball shoes came back into Fashion and basketball shoes in general are are super chunky. Um, So, like the up tempos, things like that. Even the foam posits, you can say to a degree, which are super chunky, and I always hated them. Um, They weren't so much dad shoes, but they were opening the door for chunkier sneakers to come back into style and not have everything be these kind of thin, minimalist, low top white or black flat sneakers um, that were the trend a few years back. Um, There's a good video about all of what I just said that High Snobiety did last year about the dad shoe craze, but they didn't really go into detail with anything. It was more just like a timeline, if you will. Um, So it's good to kind of like see the history, but what I want to know is why these things continue to stay in style. Um, That question was not asked in those videos. Um, But obviously, and as the video mentions, the main moment was when Balenciaga released the Triple S. That shoe caused a lot of controversy. It looks ridiculous to me. Having that be $800 just because it's made by Balenciaga is totally fucking absurd. But uh, it opened the door, you know, it, it it kicked the door down, basically, when it came to this tri- this dad chunky dad shoe trend. And uh, Yeezy released the Wave Runner after that, the 700, which was huge, still is a huge shoe. Um, but I'm starting to see signs that this dad trend is kind of dying down a bit because I saw an infographic on Instagram the other day where it talked about Yeezys only and the resale value of each model and the 500's which are just the plain white or black or there might be another color dad shoe chunky the ugliest fucking shoe I've ever seen Um, to me that single handedly made me think less of the Yeezy brand because I love the 350's I think the 350's are the coolest sneaker to come out in a long time 500's trash Trash, trash, garbage. I challenge anybody to do a design critique on that thing um, favorably. Anybody. I have not seen anyone defend the 500 successfully with any coherent argument from a design standpoint, a functionality standpoint, as to why that shoe deserves any monetary value attached to it let alone what people charge. But the point is the 500 has a horrible resale value. It's basically a flop um, when it comes to resale. And, uh, you know, maybe just because it's so fucking ugly, that's why people don't like it as much, and maybe they like other dad shoes. Or it might just be an early hint of this dad shoe trend coming to an end, hopefully quickly. Um to me, there's no classic aesthetic attached to this. You know, the whole dad shoe trend, you know, to me, it, you can say it goes back to the the New Balance 990, if you want, or some of the 80s Reeboks, but to me, what I'm seeing with these modern dad shoes, it really looks like a fucking sketcher from 1997. Like, that's what it looks like. That's what the Balenciaga looks like. It just looks like a sketcher on steroids. Um... It looks like the the Yeezy 500 they look like Skechers Shape-ups which were probably when they came out the most uncool sneaker you can possibly buy. They were made particularly for old people with bad feet. Um I think I remember the commercial for the Skechers Shape-ups being like Joe Montana, his like retired ass Joe Montana. Saying like, oh, my feet are hurting. I need something to help my feet or whatever. And he wears the Skechers shape-ups. Like, my dad has Skechers shape-ups. They are not cool. There's nothing cool about them, but that's exactly what this 500 is. Um, the Balenciaga S's are a more color-crazy version, in a sense. And I will admit, the silhouette is probably designed a little bit better than the shape-ups. A little less squar,y a little less boxy. But uh, it's still all the same thing, and I would predict this trend's going to go out of style within the next year, two years at latest. Um, but it makes me just think of, like, did fashion designers just get together one night, you know, maybe drink a bottle of wine or two, got hammered, and were like, let's just troll the fashion community and make the ugliest shit we can possibly make and see if it sells. Because I... Th- that's how it comes across to me. Um, aesthetically speaking, it's really hard to defend these things. And I challenge anyone to do that effectively. Anybody. Please email me. Not rocket science show at gmail.com. DM me on Instagram, NRS underscore show. And just give me some sort of argument on what is so appealing about these ugly ass shoes. I mean i'll say it again i kind of like the the easy wave runners a bit from a from a color standpoint they're nice they're not as chunky as the balenciagas um but they still just look like a fucking jet ski on your feet at the end of the day um and they don't have the storytelling attached to it that classic sneakers of the past like the jordan 3 or the jordan 11 have um They just don't look right on the feet. It exaggerates the foot. It doesn't complement the foot. And people are doing the crop pants thing to make up for it. They're buying baggy pants and then cropping cropping them up from the bottom um, instead of the tapered look of the joggers paired with Stan Smith's and All-Stars and that whole aesthetic. To me, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of just ass-backwards from a functionality standpoint. Uh, but style's going to be style fashion's going to be fashion and we'll see where we go with it so let me know if you, what you guys think about the whole dad shoe thing particularly if you love it anyone who loves the dad shoe thing please hit me up because I, I really just not from a cynic standpoint I'm not trying to be cynical about this I'm actually genuinely curious on somebody who would be super just into it and all about it um, if you can just explain to me where you're coming from. I would be very interested in having that conversation. So that's it, I think, this week. I wanna know your guys' thoughts on dad shoes, the chunky shoes, the Balenciaga's, the uh the Yeezy seven hundreds, the five hundreds, the Raf Simmons Adidas. All of those. So let me know what you guys think. Hit me up on Instagram, NRS underscore show or Twitter, same NRS underscore show. And uh just let me know. I'm trying to find this out. Like the point of this show for me and this podcast is to really just throw these questions out there and then continually research and try to figure out why things are the way they are when it comes to style, fashion, culture, subculture, and particularly consumer behavior within these cultures. Um that's what I'm trying to figure out with this show. And I think the dad chunky shoe craze is a good example of something that's worth figuring out. So yeah, I'm going to take off because while it's not as hot as it's been in New York City in recent weeks, it is very humid. It is raining right now. And according to the weather, it's going to be raining all day next week, so that's going to be super fun. Um, I hope you guys have a good week, and if you're not in New York City, I hope you have better weather this week than I'm probably going to have. And please, if you're into this podcast support it review it uh follow on the social medias particularly instagram that'd be cool um hope you guys have a good one thank you guys so much take it easy and i'll see you next week next monday bye guys (laughs)